fans well training camp is finally here we have actual out i'm glenn norton jet nation radio as i'm sure many of you know as you don't generally randomly tune into podcasts do you so uh first right off the bat let's thank our sponsor mile social mile social they will run all of your internet Worries for you if you are a small business owner or someone you know with a little too much on your or their plate, contact Miles Social. They will take care of your Instagram, your Twitter, your Facebook. They will tell you how you need to streamline your social media process to get more customers through the door and more dollars in your pockets. So that's that. Thank you, Miles Social. So day three of training camp is behind us. First full padded practice. If you're listening to this show, I know that if you're listening to Jets podcast, you are the diehards of the diehards. We know this. <clears throat> and I apologize if we have any audio issues tonight. We're trying a couple new things today. But camp's underway. Sam Darnold's not in the building. Some guys are standing out. Some guys are not. There are quite a few different ways we can approach this. We can have... Uh, I thought maybe I could go through which players have stood out the most, which ones, which players haven't lived up to expectations. I think the best thing to do is uh, quickly, well, not not too quickly. I'm gonna, I've, I've got in my hands the the 90 man roster. I'm just gonna go down the list alphabetically, and I'm gonna tell you what I've seen from each player. This is just my opinion. Um, like it or not, agree or disagree, if you've been out to any of the sessions. Yesterday, season ticket holders. Today was general public. Um, but one thing to keep in mind, for those of you who have not been out to the facility, and writers about this who cover the team, if anyone, anyone who's at these practices who can tell you, who can answer all your questions about all the players, they're, they're, they're lying. Um, I guess disingenuous would be another word, but they're lying. There are, you've got 90 players, well, 89, spread over three fields at multiple different times with coaches and team employees running in between you and the coaches and the players. Um, It's impossible. You cannot watch every player. And it's frustrating, I know, because when you can't be there, you want to have an outlet where you can say, um, I've got a question about these 25 guys and it's, it's just going to be hit and miss. There's some guys that we'll be able to tell you about. There's some guys that, that we won't, it's not going it, to, it's just not feasible. There are guys who, there are guys who, you know, who stand out at one point and, uh, you know, from, from one angle and then you just, depending on where you're standing, you're not going to see everybody all the time. So. 
I'm going to do my best to break down what I've seen from each guy. Um, there's some good, there's some bad. There's And there is definitely plenty of reason for excitement, plenty of reason for Jets fans to be happy right now. Um, but we'll start with the, 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 uh, the biggest story, of course. Is it Sam Darnold, number three overall pick, is not yet in camp? I honestly cannot believe this, folks. I, I was dead wrong. I came on this show a few days ago, and I, I, I laughed and said, there's no way this guy won't be in camp. There's no way that Mike McCagnan and Jimmy Sexton, Sam Darnold's agent, there's no way they're going to allow this to happen. Getting into camp on time is too important for both sides. The Jets gave up a ton to get this guy. He's supposed to be the savior. So the Jets want him here, and he has a very legitimate chance to start this year, which is why I figured Darnold would want to be here. And he's not here. No matter who, no matter who you want to blame, no matter where blame lies, everyone's different. Some people say it's the agent. Some people say it's Sam. Some people say it's the team. I ran a Twitter poll the other day, 400 and some responses. 70% put it on the agent. That's obviously being impacted greatly by uh, Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News, who has been very outspoken on the topic. I think Manish has makes some very valid points. And I think that's getting, uh, that's getting, you know, getting the fans behind the team and saying that the team is right. I don't doubt that the team is offering or making a, making a fair offer to Darnold. Um, And there, it seems every few hours, there's a new report as to what the issue is, what the sticking point is. For me personally, I was more than willing to say, agent but for the first few days it's for a few days because at the end of the day ultimately you know I for me you know me personally I always stress personal accountability and Sam Darnold is in charge here Sam Darnold is the only guy who can say I'm going to make this happen now the agent can try to do this and that the Jets can try to do this and that the agent can say, I want this. The Jets can say, I want that. There is nothing stopping Sam Darnold from getting off the couch and going to the facility and signing a deal that's going to guarantee him $30 million and get on the field and play football. And I'm not, I'm not bashing Sam here. I, there is a part of me that understands he's a young kid. He wants to do what his agent is advising him to do, but... You can't say, I want so badly to be on the field if you are not willing to get up and go get on the field. Nobody gets 100% blame here, and nobody is, is free of blame. First, it was the offset language. We heard from Mike Garofalo of NFL Network. This morning, Michael Silver reported it was because the Jets wanted to be able to recoup any money that Darnold may be, or any money that if Darnold were to be fined, suspended, injured, or suspended or injured, that could cost him significant time. They would want some of that money back. Now Manish Mehta, of course, is saying that this is this is Darnold's representatives trying to save face because he is 
it, because it, it's been about the offset language all along, which w- makes no sense. If these two, if these two sides are allowing this this dispute to drag out and have Donald miss time because of offset language, that means Donald can't double dip if the Jets release him. If the Jets release him, it's because he was atrocious. There is, I I would bet anything on the fact that Sam Darnold will get, he will play every second and he will earn every penny that his contract calls for. This team just held on to Christian Hackenberg for multiple years. Okay. And worked with him. Sam Darnold is getting every second and every penny of his contract. If he does not, it is because he has suffered such a catastrophic injury or he has been so unbelievably bad as a player that nobody is going to be giving him more than league minimum if he were to be released and hit free agency. So nobody's gaining or saving enough money to make this, this, this standoff worth it. And it's not worth it at this point. It's, it's been a few days. Sam Darnold, by all, by all accounts, told his agent to get me, you know, get me into camp. By not doing that, his agent has already failed him. His, his, his NFL career has not yet started, and Sam Darnold's representatives have failed him. He gave them an order, and they did not deliver. Hopefully, at some point, this leads to Jimmy Sexton's firing. Probably won't, but in a perfect world, it would. So Darnold gave an order. His reps came up short. Stories keep changing from different sources on what the holdup is. And in all honesty, this is probably because I'm a fan and I want him out there. I've yet to hear a single reason that makes me think, okay, that's worth it. That makes sense. All of it is offset. It's stupid. The money is stupid. He's getting $30 million guaranteed. The language. When does he get them? When does he get this money? When does he get that money? Is it really that big of a deal if you get fifteen million now and fifteen million a few months down the road, or whatever? However, the the layout is. However, they're they're trying to work this deal out. And and I try to be obje- I try to be fair with these things. I try to be objective and 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 look at both sides fairly. But I've not seen anything that I read that made me say, okay, that makes sense. The the only one thing that makes me side somewhat with the Jets is the report that what the Jets are asking of Darnold is what they've asked of every player, that this is not a, this is not a different thing where they're treating him differently than they have others. And yes, this is different because he's the quarterback and he's the number three pick and he's the savior. But at the end of the day, he's a Jets pick they're going to give him $30 million to play football. He claims he wants to be here. If you wanted to be somewhere, not only, not only you want to be somewhere, but if you wanted to be somewhere where someone was going to give you $30 million to be there, how long would it take you to get there? How long would it take you? If you said, you know what? I want to go to that diner down the street later. I'm, I am dying to go to that diner. I really want to be there. And someone says, if you go there, we'll give you $30 million. How long is it going to take you to get there? And I know, I know those are different things. But my point is, 
You cannot be a grown man and say, I want something, and then not do it because someone else is telling you not to because you're a grown man. You can do what you want. The agent works for you. If the agent says, Sam, back off, let me do my job, I can live with that for a couple of days. I can live with that. But now you're in day three. Well, day three is gone. First padded practice is in the books. And any chance you have at being the starting quarterback is slipping away. And that's a shame. That That's really the worst part of this, is that the agent doesn't care any more about the player than the team does. And let's not fool ourselves here, folks, like any other job in the world. Your employer cares about you for as long as it benefits them to care about you. So, yes, the Jets care a great deal about Sam Darnold right now because they believe he's their answer at quarterback. Jimmy Sexton cares a great deal about Sam Darnold right now because he's one of his many meal tickets to millions of dollars. Not Sam they care about. It's what Sam can deliver to them. The second he can no longer deliver, the Jets and Jimmy Sexton will want nothing to do with Sam Darnold. That's, that's the harsh reality. But at this point, it looks like the agent has convinced Darnold that he does care more than the team does. Darnold says he wants to be out there, but Darnold doesn't want to be out there bad enough to actually go. If he wanted to be out there bad enough, he'd say, Jimmy, I'm going to the facility tomorrow. I'm signing what's in front of me, and I'm going to practice. I'm a grown man. I can do what I want. You're in charge of of lining everything up, getting the contract drawn up. I'm getting out there to play. That's on him to do. If he decides he doesn't want to do that, that's fine. It's unfortunate for Jets fans. But don't don't give me this. I'm dying to be out there. Dying to be out there, but I'm not going to go. Nothing stopping you from going. Totally your decision. Darrell Reeves at his retirement press conference. I wanted to play my whole career with the Jets. You know, then, then why'd you hold out 47 times? You didn't want to, you want to play where you get the most money. And I get that. It's, it's, it's what it's, it is what it is. But anyway, enough about Sam Darnold. He's, uh, he'll be in camp soon. And you know what? I know it. You know, it, we all know it. the first time he steps on the field and makes a throw that makes people go, wow. That's going to be it. It's going to be like none of this ever happened. Nobody's going to care at all. First time he throws an interception. Oh, if he would have been in camp soon, we would have seen that interception. He's going to do, fans are going to react how they're going to react. But once he starts playing well, no one's going to give a damn about this holdout. But in, in, in the terms of living in the moment, it's frustrating and it sucks. Nobody likes it. I don't like it. None of you like it. But, again, it's the reality. We'll live with it, do what's got to be done. And now, on to training camp. What have we seen on the field? Day one was in, indoors because of a, a torrential downpour. Day two outdoors, day three outdoors with pads. So some hitting, very exciting stuff. So, yeah, it's, I think that's probably the, the best way to do it. Is I mean, because there will be a lot of guys who, I'm sorry, I don't have a lot to say about. Because you can't watch every single guy and every single play. It's just unrealistic. So we'll go down the roster. We'll go for alphabetical. Alphabetical. We're going to go top to bottom, A to Z. 
or I guess, what do we got? A to, a to W in this case, and talk about who has done what. So, top of the roster, Jamal Adams, right? Coming into year two, big expectations, big talker, spent an entire offseason on Twitter calling himself the president. I'm never going to miss another Pro Bowl. A um, lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of talk, not nearly as much production. And one thing that's interesting with Jamal Adams, people talk about, you know, he sent out that tweet about Troy Palomalu didn't have any interceptions his first year either. Jamal Adams has never been a big interception guy anyway. If you look at his numbers, you go between his college career and his first pro career, Jamal Adams has five interceptions in his last four football seasons, and four of them came in one year. His second year at LSU, he had four picks. Year one, zero. Year two, four. Year three, one. So some of these folks, you know, hoping for a, a five, six, seven interception season out of Jamal Adams, um, history doesn't tell us it's going to happen. I mean, anything's possible. But historically, you look at what he's done in college and the pros, he's not a guy who gets a lot of picks. But I will say he looked phenomenal today. Looked pretty damn good yesterday, too. But today with the pads on, Jamal Adams was being Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams was flying around, making plays in the backfield, had a couple of pressures or, you know, as they the, the, the quote sacks because they don't hit the quarterbacks. And it's kind of eye of the beholder. Who says he got there? Who says he didn't? They blow the whistle because it was a sack. All, all I can say about Jamal Adams. And day one, um, again, not, still doesn't have a pick in the pros. And there was one play where he diagnosed it well. It was a pass deep down the middle of the field. Um, Jamal Adams looked to be closing in for a pick. But Tremaine Johnson crossed his path and in an effort to avoid a full speed collision, Jamal Adams pulled up, pulled away and um, was clearly frustrated, sprinted about 30 yards to the sideline and then back and had, uh, had a conversation with Tremaine Johnson about it. It clearly appeared there was some miscommunication. He didn't expect him to be there. He thought he was going to have an interception with nobody in front of him. Peripherally saw Tremaine Johnson and pulled up and let the ball go. But either way, Jamal Adams has looked very good early on and even, you know, did some of his best work today, very disruptive off the edge and just doing the things you, we, we've, we've hoped he would begin to do in year two. Second, Henry Anderson. Now I'm going to say this, um, as I've said, it's difficult to, you, you can't watch every guy at all times. O-line and D-line for the majority of the time out there, it's impossible to see what's going on because of the angle and because it is a cluster of bodies slamming into each other. Um, when guys get penetration, you don't know if it's because it was a missed block or if it was a good move. You just know the guy got through. Um, so really tough to say, but I will say with Henry Anderson, there were a couple of plays today where I had a good enough angle to watch him and I was able to see him move his man, uh, you know, whoever, whoever he was, uh, whoever was trying to block him. There was actually one play in particular where it looked like Bilal Powell was going to be able to get to the hole to the left side, Henry Anderson was able to go man-to-man with, uh, I believe it was Carpenter, I could be wrong, and rode him to the hole and then was able to get the stop on Bilal Powell before he was able to make a play. So that was a good job by Henry Anderson. And I think, you know, we, as we've said before, he's probably going to be a guy who was a steal in the seventh round or as a seventh uh, a guy to give up the seventh-round pick for. So um, uh, definitely a guy worth watching. 
And uh, and by the way, if you are listening in, feel free to give us a call, 646-716-4697. Again, that is 646-716-4697. We are going to go to the phones right now. We have uh, one caller on the line calling from a 201 area code. Caller, this is uh, Jet Nation Radio. You're on the air. Hey, Glenn. How you doing? It's Alex. How are you? Alex, how we doing, buddy? Great to see you out there today. Doing well. Likewise, it was to uh, finally meet you up up close and personal today. That was great. Yeah, yeah. So, what 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 are your th- what were your thoughts out there? I I did see some of what you tweeted, and I will say I agreed wholeheartedly. And some of the stuff you tweeted, I will be discussing because they are thoughts that I shared. But for those who weren't at camp today, um, what are your questions or comments? What do you got? Um, you know, some of the things that uh, you're probably being covered already, I'm not sure, but uh, you, you, know, you don't really get a feel of Trenton Cannon's speed until you see him up close and personal. And, you know, you hear about it and you hear, you know, guys running in jerseys and, you know, just shorts. But I had had some that he can, he's really got a set of wheels and the Jets definitely need to figure out a way to utilize that speed on Sunday because the kid can be electric. And uh, I just was very impressed and taken away by him. And uh, a few other guys, too. Um, Eric Tomlinson, I thought, looked really, really good. Uh, he's definitely a very good blocker. I enjoyed watching the linebacker and tight end drills today. Uh, mm-hmm. Those guys were, uh, you know, popping the pads. And it was just really nice to see how, you know, where you can you can see the level of technique where, you know, with Tomlinson and Herndon and Leggett, you know, those guys are close, but they're not where they need to be yet. And, you know, you can see that they're working on it. And as far as um, having a group of just guys that bring a little something different to the table, I was definitely excited to see uh, the tight ends work today. Yeah, I think um, after day one of practice, the indoor practice I mentioned earlier, I did a brief article on the backs. I thought on day one as a group, they, they kind of stole the show. And I know, of course, it's a bit easier because there is no hitting. Um, it's, it's easier to squirt through those holes when no one's going all out to bring you down. But I, I thought everybody looked good. Trenton Cannon's been a guy who I'll, I'll talk about him again later. But I, I agree 100% with what you said. He has been – he has just consistently, whether it's catching the ball out of the backfield, looking smooth as a receiver – or his agility, his combination of, of speed and agility has been very impressive. And, you know, I know we're only three days in, so we kind of have to pump the brakes a little bit. But I know coming into camp, and of course this is the pre, pre the McGuire injury, I kind of felt like Trenton Cannon was more of a practice squad candidate because he was drafted so late and they had a few good backs. But after a few days, man, watching him do his thing, if this carries on through the games, he, he's going to make this roster. And the tight ends, I agree with as well. I sent out a tweet earlier about the, who the standouts were, and I included the tight ends on there, and I, I mentioned them yesterday as well. For me, it's specifically, it's Herndon and Sterling. They both look excellent. Um, Leggett's been, you know, he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't stood out to me anyway. He hasn't stood out the way Sterling and Herndon have. Herndon yesterday made the play of practice, making a diving one-handed catch um, in the end zone during the red zone drill. So, um, running backs and tight ends have looked really good. Yes, definitely. Um, and I also liked how Sterling was getting looks on the inside. And, you know, I guess when he was lining up with the twos, he was lining outside um, as a wide receiver in a particular package. So that guy definitely has some versatility that you can move him around kind of like a chess piece. 
and, you know, kind of mask what you want to do. So, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, who emerges as the, the top guys coming out of this, this pack here. Um, Coach Bowles and Mike McCagnan are going to have a lot of tough cuts with these position groups. And, you know, it's only going to work out for the best for, our, for us, our, for our team as a whole. But, um, you know, it's going to be uh, hard to see some really, like, you know, good guys, maybe some household names that, you know, we would think would elevate. But, you know, there's a lot of talent out, out in that field. And, you know, everyone's got to be looking over their shoulder a little bit to make sure they can keep their job. Yeah, I you know, I did I tweeted out a few weeks ago that um if if Thomas Rawls looked good in, in practice and preseason they were gonna have some difficult decisions to make at running back. And as you mentioned, and again as I highlighted in what I wrote the other day, um he's looked fantastic. The issue with him isn't isn't ability. We all know he can play. We saw that in Seattle when he averaged five point eight yards of carry as a rookie. It's whether or not he can stay healthy. But if he can stay healthy, if he makes it through the preseason healthy and you've got Rawls and Cannon and Crowell and Powell and McGuire ready to come back, you have some real decisions to make there. And uh, it's, you know, I I talked to someone at camp yesterday, and we were commenting on how good a lot of the backs looked, and we said, look, it'd it'd be a pleasant problem to have, you know. I mean, when was the last time the Jets had a problem that they had too many talented players? It's it's just something you don't see a lot. Mm -hmm. But, again, so far, I've loved what we've seen from the backs. I've loved the tight ends. And – some groups have been better than others, but those to me have been probably the two best groups in camp thus far, at, le- at least on the offensive side of the ball, because the defense up front has been dominating for the most part. But um, any, you got anything else for us, Alex? Yeah, uh, just to touch real quick on the defensive line. Um, you know, a lot of people were concerned, um, you know, who's going to be the guy. And I don't think there's going to be a guy with that defensive mm-hmm. line. It really looks like there's a nice, healthy rotation that they have working there. And, you know, I particularly was watching uh, Folorenzo uh, Fatukasi. Folorenzo Fatukasi. Yeah, he, had, he, wow. he stood out a little bit today, didn't he? He was, you know, really hitting the gaps well. He was fighting in the trenches. Um, you know, he's got some, some dog in him, it seems. And he's definitely somebody that, you know, not everybody's talking about as of right now. And I did see him working with the ones a little bit today, too. So, um, looks like everyone's getting their, you know, their opportunity to, you know, make their mark you know, with the ones, because at this point, all those positions are, are up for grabs. So definitely excited yeah, to he, see uh, he, he, Anderson. Did one of he had a really nice run mm-hmm. stuff while he was working with the ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very impressive and a lot bigger frame than I had anticipated. Uh, you know, I you look at the pictures of Nate Shepard and, you know, everyone says, wow, you know, the physique and everything like that. Uh, Fakatasi is a, is a big guy and he's definitely going to contribute a lot you know, and run-stopping plays, and, you know, hopefully he could, you know, be somebody that, you know, we'll be talking about years down the line with him, Shepard, and, and, you know, Williams. Yep, absolutely. I, I think you're uh, spot on with that. And uh, in case you didn't hear, um, pass this along. I don't, I don't know if you caught this on Twitter, for those of you listening. The Jets have tweeted out in the last few minutes they are changing uniforms next year. And it looks like they're going back to the old-style uh, late 80s uh, Kenny O'Brien era uniforms next season. So yeah, just thought I would I pass did see that. The tweet. I, I haven't seen a picture. So they're going with a little bit of a, uh, an old well, school kind I, of retro I, look. Yeah, I take that back. I could be wrong. Cause that was what they had in the, uh, this tweet just popped up as you were talking, but, uh, that was just the clip it showed. They're actually, they're going through from,
from one era to the next. And, uh, okay, yeah, so we'll see here in a second if they're going to show what they'll look like. I bet they won't. This will be a cliffhanger. And, yeah, they're, it's just kind of a you talked, you asked, we listened, and they're not showing us what they look like. So we'll see. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not one of these – I'm not huge into that type of stuff, but I know it is newsworthy for Jets fans. So uh, check it out. Uh, check out Twitter. Jets are going to have new uniforms next year. And uh, thanks a lot for calling in, Alex. Really appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Glenn. Take care, buddy. All right. Have a great, have a great time. Take care. Okay. So that was Alex. Uh, we hear from him every now and then on Jet Nation Radio. Huge fan and uh, was uh, very happy to meet him out of camp today for the first time. Uh, good crowd. It was really thin early on. We came out initially for practice. It looked like there were about 80 people there, and I thought, wow, this is bad. Um, but by the end, man, it was pretty packed. So I, I wondered if they tell fans to get out there at a time when practice is actually starting and not uh, not when the media gets out there when they're just stretching. Um, but anyway, we are going to go to the phones once again. We've got, on, uh, we've got someone calling from an 856 area code. Caller, you're on the air. What you got? Hey, Glenn, how's it going? It's Hakeem. It's how you doing? Hey, it's uh, doing good, Akeem. How are you, man? Long time no speak. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah, you you uh, presented the special show and it worked out with my schedule. So, you know, right away I wanted to ask you a few things. Uh, I'm not sure if you already talked about it already, but I'm looking at this revamped inside linebacking corps and I'm getting really excited. And um, something that Darren Lee uh, said the other day during his uh, uh, interview was that, Avery Williamson is really fast. And I think that Williamson is just, you know, figuring out the nuances of coverage. And I think he's going to be a solid uh, linebacker in coverage, but he's really going to stand out in the run game. And then we have a lot of depth with Kevin Pierre-Lewis and, um, you know, Neville Hewitt just uh, and Kevin Minter, of course, too. So I'm really excited about this in, inside linebacking corps. How do you feel? Yeah, I think, um, uh, I mean, obviously they're not going to carry all those guys, but they've all looked pretty good so far. Kevin Pierre-Lewis has, uh, has stood out. He was, he was a guy that I was, I was really interested in seeing because if you go back to last season when the Jets played the Chiefs, um, I thought he looked, he looked excellent. I posted a couple of clips, a couple of game clips uh, during the offseason of him, you know, uh, diagnosing plays, anticipating well, shooting the gaps, getting guys in the backfield. So, and that was from an inside linebacker spot. I know I've heard a lot of people say, oh, he'll be good depth at the outside. Um, that may be the case to a limited degree, but because he didn't play the outside very often at all in Kansas City. When Todd Bowles was asked about him after the signing, he did say that he envisioned him as a guy who would play a little bit alongside Darren Lee on the inside. So I took that to mean as a you know fill-in for, for Williamson from time to time. But I will say Williamson has, has looked very good. He's He's done a good job being a – uh, sideline to sideline guy his coverage is not you know coming here it was it, it, he, I don't feel like he got enough credit for as good as he was it's not great but it's it's plenty good um, at least it has been so far in camp um, and that's an important thing to remember in camp I've I've talked to beat writers about that and I've seen it I've seen it firsthand I've done it just because guys perform in camp for whatever reason it doesn't mean it's going to translate and um, I've had years where I'll rave about a guy and then the guy will get cut after week two or three, and someone's like, ah, you're a dummy. You said this guy was playing great. And it's kind of like, well, what do you want from me? He was. at In training camp, on the field, he was making play after play after play. And for whatever reason, when the lights came on, that went away. Uh, perfect example there is Jalen Marshall. 
a couple of years ago, we were ready to put Jalen Marshall in the ring of honor, you know, after, uh, mm-hmm. after three weeks at camp, because he was literally catching every single ball that came his way. He was beating single coverage, double coverage. He was running a, a great route tree. And you just thought, wow, this guy's our slot receiver for the next eight to 10 years. And here we are two and a half, three years later, he's gone and didn't really do a whole lot. Um, does that mean he didn't look fantastic in camp? No, it just means it didn't carry over. So, um, so when we're talking about these guys, these guys, we're saying what they're doing now, and what Kevin Pierre Louis and and Williamson and even you know Minter, I haven't noticed as much to be honest, um, but I do know he's a guy who's shown he can play in the league, so I have no doubt he would be fine if they end up keeping him. But in terms of the guys who have stood out to this point, um, and even Darren Lee today, Darren Lee looked really good, very vocal, um, more physical than we've seen him in the past, but. It's one padded practice, so let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, we can only talk about we've, what we've seen to this point, but a few practices doesn't sort of overturn, you know, what we've seen over the last couple of years. We need to see it in games. And, and if we do, you know, if Darren Lee starts playing uh, the way he did today, um, then I think the Jets will be very happy with that pick. And he can – I mean, he, he's not – at least in my mind, he's not somebody you call a bust at this point. I know some people do, but – Let's face it, there are some people who just can't wait to call everyone a bust. Um, but Darren Lee is sort of on the bubble now. He's a guy who he's done enough things to show you he can play in the league, but he hasn't done them nearly consistently enough to be able to say he's his job is safe. So uh, moving forward, we'll see what happens with him. But I think I think you're right. That inside linebacker spot, there's definitely some quality depth. And I think uh, Pierre-Louis is it, or Pierre-Louis or Pierre-Louis, um, whether he pronounces it with a French accent, I have no idea. But uh, I think he's going to be a good player, and the Jets, Jets fans are going to be very happy with him. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm really excited to see how uh, that position group progresses. But another thing I wanted to talk to you about is I heard the Jets are in, you know, uh, potentially in talks or, you know, trying to go after Bashad Breeland, uh, you know, the free agent cornerback from the Redskins um, who's still on the market. But, you know, I really feel like the Jets already have a lot of good corners, a lot of young corners that can come up and play well. And I think Breland is going to take a significant investment, you know, further than just a one-year deal. Um, so do you think we need Breland? What do you think? I'm 100% for it. And that's that's because I was he was one of my top choices going into the, pre- going into the offseason um, with free agency. Of course, he signed with Carolina almost immediately, had that deal – nullified because of a an infection in his foot had a freak accident had his foot run over by a golf cart and it got infected um but to me as when you're talking about the premium positions that we discuss all the time pass rusher left tackle corner quarterback when you can add a good one and a good young one you do it especially given the fact that um you know you've got claiborne at your two he's probably going to be hurt at some point even if he's not hurt at some point he's only on a one-year deal but to me if you add Bashad Breeland, you've got – he becomes your number two. You've got Tremaine Johnson on one side, Bashad Breeland on the other. Bashad Breeland's done a nice, a nice job in Washington while he was there opposite Josh Norman. So you go, you go Tremaine Johnson, Bashad Breeland with, with Adams and May in that secondary, I'll tell you what, man, that, that, that's, a, that's a significant improvement. Anytime you get an opportunity to improve your secondary like that with a, with a more – not just a better player than Claiborne, but a more durable player – I would do it in a heartbeat, um, you know, worry about the rest later. You know, th- like looking at the depth chart, is he a, you know, is, is it a dire need right now, corner? No, because 
you have you know you have some young guys, you have the two veterans as your starters, so you can you're more than happy to go to battle with what you have. But I don't pass up an opportunity to upgrade with a 26 year old. You know, if he was 30, 31, 32, I'd say, yeah, no, don't bother. It's not worth it. He's got a couple years left. But this is a 26-year-old guy who you could sign to a four- or five-year deal, and he can he can settle that number two cornerback position for a while. So I would be 100% for it. Yeah, for sure. I, I know he had some really good uh, seasons in Washington. I really liked him a mm-hmm. lot, too. I'm just thinking in terms of a financial standpoint. But, yeah, with all the money that we have next year, we could basically replace him with Claiborne, you know, for the 2019 season, which would be nice. Uh, and my final question for you, I've been hearing, and maybe you've already discussed it, but uh, I've been hearing his name a lot, especially uh, during today's practice, was Trent Cannon. And him, just once he gets to that edge, he can really fly, and he's got a lot of wiggle to him. What do you see out there? Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to discussing him. Uh, um, what I'm doing, I'm going through the roster here alphabetically, um, just because I want to cover everybody that I can, and it, you know, going through it will jog my memory. But um, talked about Cannon with our first caller, with Alex, and uh, he he has been more than impressive uh, so far. He you know he's had a couple of plays where maybe he would have benefited from being a bit more patient, but he's still a young guy, and with what we've seen from him so far. And I said it earlier, if he car- if that carries on through the games, this guy's making the roster. Uh, my hope is that he, he comes along, continues to develop as a punt returner, and that'll pretty much secure his spot on the roster. But um, definitely a player to be excited about in the early going. Awesome, man. Thank you so much, Glenn. Uh, I'll, I'll catch the rest of your uh, trend canon analysis when I listen to your show. I listen all, every week, so thank you so much, my man. Much appreciated, man. Have a good night. You too. Peace. Okay, so right back at it. We talked a little about Henry Anderson. Let's talk about Robbie Anderson. Uh, not a lot to say. Robbie's been Robbie. He's been he's been uh, getting open down the field. But uh, the problem is, and we'll this is something we'll get to. The quarterbacks have not been very good. Um, today was probably the worst day we've seen from from both McCown and Bridgewater. Uh, plenty of underthrown balls, but there's no. No reason to expect Robbie Anderson won't be himself this year. Um, quarterback play is going to dictate how productive he can be, but there's no reason to believe he won't be what he's been thus far. So that's there's not really a whole lot to say about him. Next to George Atkinson, they just signed him today as a running back. They signed him because of the Elijah McGuire injury, and he will uh, he's got some history as a kick returner. More than likely, just a camp body. We're not going to see him once the season starts. David Bass, uh, one of the many. Uh, edge rushers in camp who has an opportunity to win a starting job because they don't have an established edge rusher. If you listen to the show, you know that I was fully on board with bringing him back because his pass rush, um, his pass rush, pass rush numbers, um, sacks based on, you know, going off of the number of snaps he actually played last year. He actually had a pretty good year, um, especially when you stack him up against the other Jets pass rushers who didn't do a whole lot. So David Bass has looked good. I've seen a few batted balls, a few pressures, so he's done. He's been exactly what you expect him to be. Kelvin Beecham tackle again on the O line. A little tough to tell because of you know the mosh pit that it becomes at the snap and the angle we have. Um, not a whole lot to say about him one way or the other. I know he. I did see someone comment on Twitter today that he got beat a couple times in the bell drill. What the bell drill is? Um, the Jets have a bell hanging from a post that they set up in the backfield while. Offensive linemen and defensive linemen go at it one-on-one. The defensive lineman or linebacker 
Um, his objective is to get to the bell and ring it, which would count as a sack. And it's the job of the O lineman to block him for three, four seconds before they blow the whistle and not give up a sack. Um, so I did read today that the Kelvin Beecham gave up a sack or two in the bell drill. So that's really all I can say about him. Sorry, not a lot of info there. Um, Taylor Bertolay, um, neither of the kickers has has uh, has looked bad. They've both they've both hit the majority of their kicks. Both Cairo Ky- Santos and Taylor, and Taylor Bertolay. Um, the first day I was actually on the opposite end watching some line drills and didn't see all the kicks, but I haven't I haven't seen any bad kicks. And I again, it's only a few days in. Haven't seen anything that would worry worry me about either one of those guys. They both look pretty solid. Ben Braden is the next guy on the list. Offensive lineman out of Michigan who spent last year on the practice squad. Haven't seen a whole lot of him, but day one, I did watch him on a few snaps because we had the, the view from upstairs because that's uh, we don't often watch practice from upstairs indoors, but we did, so that was a rare opportunity to get a good look at the O-line. When I watched Braden on a few plays, he actually got some pretty good push. Um, he looked solid, and these are the guys that I always say keep an eye on just because they're obviously not established. They haven't played in, in any actual games yet, but when a team c- carries a guy all year on a practice squad and then brings him back the next year to work with him again, they obviously see something they like. There's no financial obligation. There's no reason they can't cut these guys loose and replace them with somebody else that they think they might like more. So when you bring guys like that back, it doesn't mean they're going to be good, but it does mean the team sees something they like. So they see something in Braden that they like, and again, you can't watch 90 guys um, for two and a half hours. You, you, a few a few plays here, a few plays there when they're broken up into drills, um, and a few plays, you know, it's a little easier when they're grouped up during team period. But Braden did have a couple of really solid blocks when I did watch him. He got some good push. Um, he was lined up at guard, by the way. He played a little bit of tackle at Michigan, but he projects the guard in the NFL. Teddy Bridgewater, day one, not very good. Day two, a little bit better. Day three, probably worse than day one. Um, and and that, that goes for both quarterbacks, really. I can cover both of them now. There's no need to talk about Bridgewater and McCown later. It's, it, you know, it's such an important position. We'll, we'll discuss that now that um, today, and wasn't just me, uh, several writers were commenting on it. The, the full 11 on 11 team period, live hitting, um, actual pressure, you know, linemen allowed to to get near enough, near enough the quarterback to, to, to rush a throw. Um, I honest, and I, I'm not saying I know this to be a hundred percent right, but I can recall one pass being completed. That was not a swing or a screen. And I want to say it was Teddy Bridgewater to one of the tight ends. I forget which one, but every ball that I can recall with the exception of one, every ball that went beyond the line of scrimmage was incomplete. Um, I, again, I didn't chart or write down every single throw. There might have been a couple completions sprinkled in, but let's face it. Um, if your two quarterbacks go one for 17 or 18 or four for 17 or 18, is it really that big of a difference? No. Teddy Bridgewater has thrown a lot of wobblers. The ball has come out slow. When he's had guys deep down the field, he has missed far more often than he's hit. He's underthrown guys. He did end practice the other day, the first practice, um, maybe the best throw of the day. He hit our Darius Stewart on a 40-yard completion deep down the field. Uh, Terrell Singfield in coverage, so not you know not not uh, not exactly a world beater. You beat a practice squad corner, um, but Teddy did make the throw. But largely, um, very disappointing from both quarterbacks. McCown has been the better of the two, 
but neither has been good enough that, uh, you know, but let's also put this in perspective. It's the first couple days of camp. Defense is traditionally always going to be a little bit ahead. So it's not exactly time to panic. Um, the only thing that does worry me a little bit, again, as I said, is the uh, the velocity that Teddy Bridgewater is not showing because just because he's, you know, you can be off the mark, you can miss, you can throw picks, but, you know, there's nothing stopping a guy from keeping his arm in shape during the offseason and coming in um, able to throw maybe not at 100%, but, uh, you know, watching Teddy Bridgewater's, a lot of his passes right now are just not sort of not NFL caliber. So expect that to change in the coming weeks. I'm not saying it's time to panic. Um, just up to this point, it's been pretty bad. Terrence Brooks, safety, had himself a really nice practice today. Um, energetic all over the place. Had a big hit on Thomas Rawls, kind of a little late in the play. Some some might say a little unnecessary. But uh, Terrence Brooks has been a solid player since coming over from Philadelphia. Um, hasn't really gotten as many reps as you might expect for a guy who's played as well. as But still not a bad player. Brandon Bryant, the undrafted free agent uh, who came, didn't get taken in the supplemental draft, Saw him a little bit, not enough to really comment. Um, didn't see him do anything great. Didn't see him do anything terrible. Justin Burris um, had a really nice day yesterday. Saw him a few pass breakups, had some tight coverage, and, and again, a couple times today. I think Burris, as much as I like him, he was one of my favorite picks a couple of years ago. I think he's a bubble guy. I think there are too many guys on this roster right now who who are not locks to make it. And because of the depth at cornerback or the, the number of corners they have on the roster, the number of young guys, I don't know that Justin Burris makes this roster. Um, time will tell. And now, next up, Trenton Cannon. Let's talk about Trenton Cannon, folks. 5'11", 185. Young rookie running back out of Virginia State. Sixth round pick. And as I said with the first couple callers, and they called in because they saw it too, this kid has looked really good. Like, exciting, good. He he had one run today. Um, again, sometimes you just happen to be standing in the right spot to get a great angle. Um, but they handed it all. It was an inside handoff. I think it was a zone zone blocking. There was a – he initially – the run was to the right. He was able to get there – was, there was a very small hole, very small crease. He was able to get skinny, get through there had a defender in front of him and just cut back against the grain, went to the opposite side of the field to his left. And, uh, and because of his speed, he, he was able to, you know, evade quite a few defenders and get himself a big game. Um, on day one, two, and three, at, at, at every day of practice, we've seen him get to the edge, uh, which it's not easy to do in the NFL. You see it in college, but it, it's tough for guys to keep doing that when they get to the pros. The one caveat here, of course, is that the Jets – especially at their outside linebacker spots, don't have the fastest, most most athletic linebackers. So you might be able to get to the edge and practice against your linebackers that don't run very well. Um, is that going to translate into games? Who knows? But I think the Jets do like this guy a lot because he has gotten plenty of work. Um, even, you know, not, not just today with Elijah McGuire down and yesterday, um, day one, he saw a ton of carries. Um, and not just to the outside. I know I, I mentioned that he's, he's, he's done well going to the outside, but he's been an up-the-middle guy. Uh, he's, he's done a really nice job catching the ball out of the backfield. So he looks like an all-around player, and he's a guy who is, again, 
if the games start and this guy stinks, I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm not here telling you he's going to be a great player. I'm telling you what he has done so far. And what he has done in three days has been very impressive. It's not just me. Look at the other writers on, on Twitter. I know I'm talking to these guys while I'm out there. And there's a lot of people you keep hearing, man, it's Cannon. Was, was that Cannon again? There's Cannon, Cannon getting to the edge again. Look at that cutback by Cannon. So this guy's doing a lot of things really well and opening a lot of eyes. And we can only hope that this carries on. And then, of course, next up is James Carpenter, probably the most important guy on the roster in terms of a player who they need to bounce back next year. Brian Winter's equally important, but you kind of look at Brian Winters and say, well, he had the injury, so there's no reason to expect he won't bounce back. James Carpenter, as far as we know, was not injured last year, and he was terrible. Um, he's looked better through the first few days from what I've seen, but he has had his moments where he's gotten, he's gotten, his, his, uh, he's gotten it handed to him. So uh, important year, important season for James Carpenter, critical to this offense, and uh, not not a lot to say beyond that. Morris Claiborne, who I just mentioned in terms of a guy I would rather have Bashad Breeland. That being said, Morris Claiborne is having a very nice camp. Um, I think I've counted at least four passes defended, and a couple of them were outstanding plays, uh, trailing the receiver, diving fully extended, getting a hand up to bat the ball away. Um, and doing it against the number one receivers uh, or the, the starting receivers. So, so far, so good for Morris Claiborne. If he can stay healthy and keep playing at a high level, that would be fantastic. Uh, next guy on the list, of course, another guy I was very excited to talk about, Jeremy Clark. Jeremy Clark, second-year guy. We talked about him a lot last year. His freakish athleticism, you know, ran an insane 40. He's 6'2". He's got long arms. He had a, you know, 42 or 43 inch vertical, all these crazy physical tools that we just, everyone hoped, man, if a guy with that ability can put it together and become a player, we might have a steal here. I'll tell you what, yesterday and today, he looked pretty damn good. Okay. So yesterday he had one interception on a ball that he batted up to himself across the middle and pulled it down as he went to the ground. He had another one that as far as I'm concerned, if we had replay in New York, even though they tend to not be very good, um, it would have been a pick, um, and it was really a ball McCown shouldn't have thrown. He rolled out. He had pressure coming from the backside. Um, he had, you know, he was pumping, pumping, rolling to his right, threw into the end zone right into Jeremy Clark's hands. Jeremy Clark held on from where I was standing about 15 feet away. It looked like his feet were in by a good six, six, ten inches, um, but the referee said he was out. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I glanced up or maybe I didn't watch the whole way through, but from where I was standing, and, and believe me, the defense – even though it's only practice, the defense is letting the ref hear it. Um, but either way, Jeremy Clark has looked excellent. I thought he flashed late in preseason last year. Um, and now he's starting off strong this year. So hopefully Jeremy Clark, hopefully some some good things coming from him. Again, 6'2", six, 6'3", six, at corner. Those long limbs, they'd love for him to come through. Xavier Coleman won't say much about him, not because I don't like him. If you listen to the show, you know I'm a big fan the corner, uh, second-year corner undrafted free agent, but haven't seen him do a whole lot. Doesn't mean he hasn't done a whole lot, just means I haven't seen it. Um, again, can't watch every guy. Xavier Cooper, from what I've seen, when I have seen him, very good. He's had a very nice camp, gotten plenty of pressure. He's a guy who filled in for Muhammad Wilkerson last year when they finally sent him to the bench, and Cooper did a, a really nice job, uh, or he did a nice enough job for Mo last year, 
and he looked uh, he looked pretty impressive through the first few days of camp. Brandon Copeland, outside linebacker, a guy who had the chance to win some playing time off the edge, did a really nice job in uh, in individual drills, and and had a couple pressures during the team period as well. I know that he was a name that I saw as a guy who was getting a lot of reps during uh, mini camp and, and OTAs as a guy who's getting a shot at the outside linebacker spot. So keep an eye on him. Isaiah Crowell, he's, he's been, I'll say this, he's been quicker. He's been shiftier than I expected. Um, I said earlier this offseason, I like his power. He doesn't show it all the time, but he shows it often enough that you know he can do it. I like his balance a lot. Uh, he, he does keep his balance well when it, sometimes it looks like he's going to go down and he doesn't. But uh, shiftier and more explosive than I expected. So he's looked good. He's probably your starting running back. Dylan Donahue had himself a really nice practice yesterday. A couple of would-be sacks and possibly another one today. And let's face it, they need somebody to emerge off that edge. Um, I will start going a little bit quicker here. We're down to about 35 minutes remaining. And we probably have about 70 players to go. Um, So I'm not going to spend a ton of time, but I do know I want to give you guys as much information as I possibly can, rather than just focus on eight or nine guys. Dakota Dozier, uh, he, he actually had a couple of really good reps in the bell drill today. He got beat a couple times. Um, trying to, I think I want to say Steve McClendon got the better of him a couple times, but he also held his own. I want to say he had one or two good reps against, uh, against Leonard Williams, so not bad there. Lachlan Edwards, again, in camp, no competition, has been absolutely booming it. Um, had a great, a very good second year. Hopefully year three is another step forward for him. Quincy Anunwa has looked like Quincy Anunwa. What a relief that is. He has made some really nice catches, um, balls thrown behind him, some poorly thrown balls where he's adjusted well um, in the middle of his route. He's had the red jersey on two out of three days, non-contact jersey. But Quincy looks to be back and a full go. That is great news. Uh, Fulonzo Fadakasi, we mentioned him earlier. He's a guy who I haven't seen a ton of, but when I have seen him, he's looked impressive. Um, big guy, comes in at 318, uh, moves pretty well, super strong. I think he did 33 on the bench at the Combine or his pro day. So another guy who uh, has a chance to make this roster. Dimitri Flowers, blocking looks really bad today. Um, he did have one, one or two good ones, but he got beat more often than he didn't, both in drills and on the field. Um, so I, I really liked him to make this roster, but – um, if he doesn't start showing a little more, then he will not make it. Antonio Garcia, we know this is a guy fans have spent a lot of time asking about this offseason. Everyone's so excited because it's a possibility, you know, maybe we stole a left tackle that the Patriots gave up on too soon. I don't think so. At least not, not from what I've seen. Day one, didn't watch much of him. Day two, watched a little bit. Day three today, watched a lot more, and he got beat a lot. Um, I don't think he got a single stop in the bell drill. I think every time he went man-to-man with somebody, he was beaten. Um, I know I did see um, Brandon Copeland beat him two or three times in a row, getting to the outside, getting to that bell. So that Garcia development, not a good one. Austin Golson, not a lot to say. Uh, Second, third string guy, undrafted free agent. Haven't really seen much of him. Obum Guachum, if you listened to the show a few weeks ago when I interviewed Manish Mehta, of the daily news. I asked him about Guachum because I think he's an intriguing prospect, a former offensive player who's made the transition, a linebacker. He's got some intriguing physical traits. He's got a good length. And uh, yesterday and today, he made some really nice plays, um, getting to the edge, shutting down the run and, uh, and getting some pressure on the quarterback. So 
Uh, it, 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 here's the thing with the Jets, folks. Their outside linebacker position is so thin that everyone is worth watching because any of these guys could make the roster. They're the only the only lock is Jordan Jenkins. Beyond that, anyone can make it. Anyone can be cut. Chet Hansen, um, after a strong rookie camp and preseason, um, or sorry, a uh, mini camp, he uh, he did a couple of good things day one. Day two, I didn't really notice much out of him. And it could be, in all honesty, I think when you're trying to pick and choose who you're watching, it's dictated a lot of times by where they are on the field. There were several times today where I thought, I want to watch Chad Hansen. Um, and every time I'd look for him, he'd be way on the far end of the field with too much traffic between where I was standing and he was um, for me to get a, a good enough view to, to see if, what he was doing. Um, he, he did make some really good plays on day one, looked encouraging. His route running looked crisp. So I'm not saying he's not even having a good camp. I'm just saying, again, one of those guys who I haven't really been in position to, to see much from. Jonathan Harrison filled in for Spencer Long with the starters today. I think they're bringing Long, 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 a Long, slowly as he recovers from a couple of injuries. Harrison looked like Harrison. Uh, Thomas Hennessy, long snapper. He's been fantastic. Pro Bowl long snapper. Uh, Chris Herndon, rookie tight end out of Miami, has probably been the best or the, the if you had to go with a 1-1A one one at tight end, um, Herndon gets one of those spots. He has been very good, as I mentioned earlier. Made the catch of the day yesterday on an extended diving one-handed grab by the end zone. Can't really say enough about th- that play itself. And, he, man, he just looks smooth. He looks smooth out of the backfield. Neville Hewitt, linebacker, another, another guy who somewhat of a long shot, but he does have some versatility having played safety in college, uh, converted to linebacker. I think the Jets probably like him. He made a couple of nice plays today, nearly had an interception. He jumped the route that he anticipated absolutely perfectly, didn't hold on. Uh, ben Ajlana, honestly, haven't noticed him a bit. Uh, Darius James, ditto. Haven't noticed much about him at all, undrafted free agent. Jordan Jenkins has looked about how you would expect Jordan Jenkins to look. He's had some pressures um, coming off the edge, and he's done a nice job of setting the edge, just kind of doing what you expect him to do. Uh, Chenille Jenkins, now this is an interesting one. Chenille Jenkins was just signed yesterday morning, small school product out of Shepherd University, and didn't notice him during team periods. But during the bell drill, he, he, he looked like he had some skills. He's a guy, again, <laughs> anyone, anyone who might be able to get to the quarterback is worth watching. Um, so Jenkins, even if it's a situational role player type, um, I'm not saying he's making the roster, but he, 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 I was impressed. And I spoke to a couple of people that were watching him during the drills and they came away saying the same thing. Kind of like, wow, is that, is that the guy they just signed? Um, Charles Johnson, wide receiver, uh, mentioned him during the off season because he's a guy who has some history with Teddy Bridgewater in Minnesota. And he has looked quite impressive. Um, he's probably been, of the of the the guys who are not locks to make the roster at wide receiver, Charles Johnson's probably been the best. It's only been three days, but if, if I had to say, you know, if we're going to say the receivers are going to be Robbie and Pryor and Curse and Quincy and Hanson, and I don't know if I'm leaving any of the starters out or any of the top guys out, um, but Johnson, I think, if, if you know, these receivers are probably fighting for one roster spot, and I would imagine that uh, Johnson would be the, the guy who gets it at this point. Um, again, we're three days. I'm just saying up to now, he, he's been the best of the wrong guys. Um, but there have been one or two that we'll talk about. Jermaine Johnson's been himself, had a really nice pass breakup today. You know, we're talking about a, a pro veteran corner. 
um, who's just, you know, you kind of expect big things from him. Um, and, and, you know, I have to correct myself here. I confuse these guys sometimes because they were both same position, drafted same year. Um, earlier, what I was saying about Jeremy Clark, Jeremy Clark has looked good in camp. I've seen him actually covering Robbie Anderson one-on-one and able to stay with him. So he's done a nice job. Um, but everything I was saying earlier was Derek, not Jeremy Clark. Um, Derek Jones out of Mississippi is the guy who had the two picks. Well, should have the two picks yesterday and the pick today. So both have looked good, but Derek Jones is better. Um, the, the freakish athleticism that I was talking about. So I apologize with that. I, I, they were both taken in the same round, both tall corners. Um, so I, I, I flipped those in my head. Uh, Jermaine Curse has been Jermaine Curse. He, you know, had a couple of nice grabs today. Darren Lee, I get too excited, but um, he has looked, um, at least especially today with the pads on, uh, probably the best I've seen him look. Very physical, um, getting to the ball carrier quickly, shooting the gap. He had a couple tackles in the backfield, so a nice job by him. Jordan Leggett has, to me anyway, again, this is just what I'm seeing, what I'm watching, hasn't stood out. Say, wow, like this this guy might be the guy. Um, other guys have, he hasn't. Spencer Long, the free agent center from Washington, thank goodness. It's uh, Hopefully he can carry this through and stay healthy. He has been very good. He's actually been exactly what I've said uh, when I watched film after the Jets signed him, I watched him on film a few times and I came away saying that he holds his own in pass protection. And even when he looks like he's beat and, and stonewall a guy. And we saw that quite a bit yesterday with his, uh, during the, uh, the one-on-one drills. So I think Spencer long, who is a guy who's I think over the last two years played double the snaps of Wesley Johnson last year. And he gave up, you know, give up half the number of pressures. So, uh, really good job by Spencer Long. Very encouraging. Frankie Lubu, another undrafted free agent linebacker. Um, I've seen him make one or two plays, um, and somewhere not even not not so much on the ball carrier, but seeing him beat the guy that was blocking him to get to, and redirect the ball carrier. And I've seen uh, Kevin Green offer him some praise on a couple of occasions. He seems to really like the guy. Um, and you know, Kevin Green just when he's got something to say, he's going to scream it. So you know when he's got something good or bad to say. Josh Martin. He's looked all right. Um, he's, you know, one of my sort of favorite under the radar guys. I thought he'd have seven or eight sacks last year. Didn't happen, but I really like Josh Martin. I like the way he plays. I like the way he carries himself. Um, he's been he's been good, not great from what I've seen. Um, Lorenzo Malvin, credit where it's due. He's been he's made some really nice plays. Uh, was able to get inside for what would be a sack on an inside uh, rush the other day. And today did a great job of shedding Brent, uh, Brent Quale at one point in the backfield, did a tackle for loss. So Malden looking better than he did at any point uh, last preseason. Marcus May hasn't been playing. He's recovering from an injury. Uh, Trey McBride, I said when I said earlier about Johnson that there are some other receivers who have impressed. Trey McBride has looked – he's had a couple of drops, but he's made some really nice catches. Uh, day one, I recall him making a one-handed catch with a defender right on his hip. And then today to end practice, despite the quarterbacks looking as bad as they did, Trey McBride made a fantastic catch in double against double coverage in the back corner of the end zone on the last play of practice for a touchdown. Uh, Josh McCown, we men- I mentioned him earlier along with Teddy Bridgewater. He looks to be the better of the two quarterbacks right now. Ball is definitely coming out of his hand better. 
Um, he's, he's made more big plays, but neither quarterback has been great, and today was bad for both. Uh, Elijah McGuire, next on the list, out three to six weeks. Unfortunately, I really thought he'd be a, a, a really big asset this year, and he still can be. Three to six weeks, he may only miss – you know, he, he could miss no time, honestly. If it's three or four weeks, he'll be back. But worst case, six, hopefully that's worst case. Um, he won't miss much time at all. Steve McClendon has been Steve McClendon. Watched him in the one-on-ones today, and he's just—he's a badass. That that guy's—he's so underrated. I'm—I need to change his name to just Steve Underrated because I feel like I have to say that every time I mention the guy because he's just not appreciated enough. Doug Middleton, a guy you gotta like, undrafted guy, a couple years ago made the roster, missed last year, spent it on injured reserve. He has filled in for Marcus May, and you haven't noticed. It's there—he hasn't made a lot of plays. But there haven't been blown coverages in the secondary. He's he's done what's what's been asked of him. I think he is, barring something completely bizarre, unforeseen. I think Doug Middleton absolutely makes this roster. Kevin Minter uh, haven't seen a ton. He did get beat today in coverage by Eric Tomlinson on one of the few big plays Teddy Bridgewater was able to make. But I'm not quite ready to say that he's uh. You know, he's having a, a, a good or bad few days. I haven't seen a ton from him. And that brings us to another exciting youngster that I'd like to, to stress a little bit here. Parry Nickerson, right? So Parry Nickerson, another late-round pick, another guy from a small school, another guy who – I mean, there were a lot of guys the Jets took this year that people kind of said – and I'm not just talking about Jets fans. If you watch the draft on the NFL Network or ESPN or whatever, there was a lot of guys that got taken by the Jets. They said it about Shepard. They said it about Fadakasi. And they said it about Nickerson. And all three of those guys, I heard at least one analyst say, this guy went a couple rounds too late. Like he was good enough to go earlier than he did. Nickerson, absolutely. Um, doesn't have any picks yet, but has come close enough. And when he has come close enough, it's because of, you know, we all know. You watch the game. Sometimes a guy is in the right place at the right time, and the ball just happens to come his way. Um, not the case at all with Nickerson. He's done a really nice job of anticipating, breaking on the ball, jumping routes, uh, the type of things that he did in college that made him a ball hawk and the type of things that you hope a guy can do. So, Perry Nickerson, no picks yet, but he's done some really good things. And very encouraging in the early going. Because let's face it, this is the last year of Buster Screen's deal. And I think we're all hoping that Nickerson ends up taking his spot next season. Okay. So what are we down to? we got about 20 minutes left. So we don't have, we, we've made it through quite a bit of the roster here. Um, and there are a few guys here who I won't have much to say about at all. Um, so let's, let's get through these quickly as possible but as, as, as efficiently as possible. Uh, Sharon Peak haven't seen a whole lot, um, you know, other than sort of catching the ball against air during drills. Haven't seen him come down with anything against anyone in tight coverage, anything like that. So nothing, nothing nondescript a uh, few days for Sharon Peak. Mike Pennell, again, big body in the middle. Sometimes uh, it, it, it's too much going on to be able to tell. Seen him get good penetration a couple times, but really – haven't seen enough of him to say, yes, he's done this well. Yes, he, no, he hasn't done this well. Uh, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, who I mentioned earlier, um, has looked very good. Uh, tweeted about it earlier. In coverage, he has been 
he's been fantastic. And he's a guy who I think absolutely makes this roster. And I think he sees a, a fair bit of playing time. Uh, played inside and outside in Kansas City. But not, uh, the thing with him, I, I hear a lot of people say that he's going to be, uh, he's going to pro- provide depth at outside linebacker, which he might. He probably could if called upon. But up to this point, uh, the Jets have given no indication. Todd Bowles said after signing him that he would play on the inside. He's played on the inside. That's what he did with most of his time in Kansas City. But the bottom line is that he's looked damn good doing it. So hopefully that carries on with him. Bilal Powell has just not, nothing to say there. He, he He's a guy who just continues to find ways to make people miss. And it's you know he's probably only got a year or two left with this team. And I do worry a little bit with the numbers in the backfield. If Rawls stays healthy, if Cannon keeps playing as well as he is, if well, um, Powell's the elder statesman, and I would uh, I would hate to see him go. But um, and I'm, again, I'm not saying he will. But when I look at the numbers and the ages, it kind of jumps out at me a little bit. Terrell Pryor hasn't done a whole lot. Individuals uh, not not a lot during the team period as he recovers um, from his injury. Brent Quale not didn't have a great day today. Uh, didn't watch him a lot before today, so uh, he got beat quite a few times in the one-on-ones. He, he had a couple good, uh, even even though he got beat by Malden a couple times in the bell drill, just a couple good street brawl type uh, type of standoffs where he didn't get trucked, but uh, he made he made Malden work for every bit of what he got. Um, those were always fun to watch. Thomas Rawls, running back, talked about him. This guy, I'll tell you what, for all the talk and all the highlights, can watch the clips of him just running people over. You know, beast mode, filling in for, for Marshawn a couple years ago. And and rightfully so. He did look that good. That was the type of player he looked like he was going to be. And as is the case when you have that type of uh, that type of running style, you're going to battle some injuries. But I'll tell you what, he has looked far quicker than I thought he would. Um, he's been, you see him cut on a dime, get outside, or, or, you know, shoot up the middle, and just much better than advertised in that respect. But again, you have to keep in mind, that, as I try to do myself, um, that not everybody's, you know, sometimes guys are going to look, look a little quicker when it's not full speed. But today, even even for the portions of practice, where they were, you know, again, fully padded and dialed it up a little bit, he looked just as quick as he did without the pads. So Thomas Rawls has been a, a pleasant surprise in the early going. Andre Roberts, veteran wide receiver, 30-year-old receiver who's primarily a return man. I have nothing against Andre Roberts personally, but I hope this guy doesn't make the roster. I mean, do you really want a 30-year-old receiver who has not done much as a receiver taking up a roster spot just to be a return man. That's why, to me, just that much more reason to root like crazy for Trenton Cannon. Because if Cannon can make this roster as a return man, and even your fourth running back, that to me that's a far better scenario than having a 30-year-old receiver in Andre Roberts. Um, you know, no upside, no, no real big-time future. So hopefully, and again, nothing personal against the guy. Might be the greatest guy in the world. But my hope is that Trenton Cannon is the guy who takes that spot. Darrell Roberts at corner. Haven't seen a lot from him. Richard Robinson, ditto. 
He's a guy. I, people are. I get it. He's suspended the drugs and all that stuff. And everybody talking about this guy like he's the you know like that trade was the worst trade in the world. Just looking looking what this guy is capable of physically. I have no issue with the Jets giving up a fifth rounder for a guy who physically can do everything you ask him to. If they feel like give us some time to work with him and bring him along, because it's all there physically. He has the physical tools to be an elite corner. Can he put it together mentally, whether it's concentration, learning the playbook, whatever it may be? I, we don't know. But to me, for a fifth rounder, that's worth the gamble. So that's Rashard Robinson. Casey Rogers the second, of course, the son of Casey Rogers. Pretty sure I heard Casey Rogers' dad scream at him to get off the field the other day, um, which didn't really – I thought we would have seen some more tweets. Just the fact that no one mentioned it, I thought maybe I heard that wrong. But, uh, but he's 39. He's number 39. And I'm pretty damn sure I heard – I saw him screw up, and uh, Casey just screamed, 39, get off the field! Something like that. It didn't sound exactly like that. Um, but um, almost had a pick in the first practice on a ball that was batted, and he didn't come away with it. Unlikely that he makes the roster, given the depth they have at safety. Cairo Santos, I mentioned earlier, neither of the kickers have looked bad. They've both been just fine. Brandon Shell, not a lot this starting right tackle this year. We know that um, hasn't looked terrible or great from my perspective. Nathan Shepard, the third round pick out of Canada has been a monster. He has been had times where he was unblockable. The uh, unfortunate thing is that today with the pads on, he didn't stand out quite as much, but again, sometimes it's just where you happen to be. Um, but Nathan Shepard looks every bit the part, doesn't look out of place at all. And as a guy who can be worked in and rotated with Henry Anderson, I think, uh, I think he's in an ideal situation. Dakota Shepley, the undrafted free agent out of Canada. Another guy I didn't, didn't see a whole lot of him, to be honest. I'm looking forward to seeing him in a, in, in some game action, like the way he moves, you know, when, once they play the Falcons, I'm hoping to, uh, Hoping to get a better view of all, you know, a lot of these linemen, but he's one guy I'm looking forward to seeing. Deion Simon uh, shined a little bit today. A couple plays where he, he won his one-on-ones, and I saw him get in the backfield. But I, I, I think he's he's such a long shot. I don't see him making this roster. Unfortunately, I'm not saying he can't play. I'm just saying they have a lot of linemen here now that he uh, he just in terms of a numbers game and an age game. He's 28. I don't see him making it. Terrell Sinkfield, can't say a lot about him. Saw him get beat deep a couple times. He was the corner, I think I said it earlier, who our Darius Stewart beat on the final play of uh, practice on day one. Buster Screen, honestly, haven't noticed him a lot one way or the other. Hasn't been great, hasn't been terrible. Uh, Neil Sterling, one of the last names on the list that I really want to talk about. Mentioned him quite a bit this offseason as a guy. Again, kind of how I said earlier, when teams carry a guy for an entire season on the practice squad and then keep him through the offseason and bring him back, they see something they like. Neil Sterling, as I mentioned earlier, this offseason, he was signed by the team, waived by the team, and then signed back again a couple weeks later. So they saw something they liked, played really well in Week 17, and he maybe, as I, that's why I was saying earlier, if there had to be a 1 and a 1A, it would be, it would be him and and, and um, Herndon. Herndon and Sterling have both looked fantastic. 
I mentioned earlier Trey McBride scoring on the final play of practice from Teddy Bridgewater. The play prior to that, it was Josh McCown to Neil Sterling in the red zone, just threading the needle. Sterling took a pretty good shot as the ball got there, and he held on for the touchdown. Sterling and Herndon have looked fantastic. It's early. Can't say it enough times. Don't come to me in a few weeks or in a month and say, you're an idiot. You told me this guy was going to the Pro Bowl. Not saying that. Just saying right now, today, up to now, has been very good. Ardarius Stewart, he's had a few drops. Um, pretty nondescript camp for him so far, at least, again, for, from from my point of view. Travis Swanson, same, not a lot to say there. Um, he, of course, is the backup center, well, possible backup center. Lawrence Thomas, I'll tell you what, man, I mentioned it earlier, when they signed Flowers, in my mind, it was like, well, this is the guy that's going to make the roster, better fit for West Coast offense. Lawrence Thomas, not really suited, because he weighs 280 friggin' pounds, and he's a fullback. But you see him get the ball a lot, though, though during team periods, they'll try to get him a, a dump off here and there. And you just look at him and think, if they got him isolated, if they got him in a spot where he was one-on-one with a with a, a 250-pound outside linebacker or a, a, an undersized safety. He could truck somebody. He could make some things happen. And for a guy, yes, he played fullback in his first year in college. But for a guy who was a D lineman a couple years ago, the guy catches the ball. So keep an eye on Lawrence Thomas, man. I really – I don't want to say I didn't – you're not carrying two fullbacks. That's not happening. And I was I, – it's not that I was rooting against Lawrence Thomas at all. I was rooting for Dimitri Flowers, and I still am. But just being up close and watching that dude catch the ball and run with it, you're kind of like, that's a nice little weapon to have. A fullback who weighs almost 290 pounds, lifted at 286. Mike Thomas, Texas Tech, undrafted free agent. Haven't seen a lot out of him. Hoping to, again, probably see more of him when the games, when the preseason games start. I like the way he moves for a big guy, for a guy who weighs 325. He doesn't look like it at all, all times. Um, haven't noticed him much in camp, but we'll see more of him in, in the game. Eric Tomlinson had himself a nice day. Had a couple of big catches from Teddy. Um, and believe me, there weren't many. Jonah Trineman, you know, he's, he's super, super long shot, six feet tall, 190. Um, the couple times I've seen him get open, he hasn't managed to hold on to the ball. So he can be the fastest man in the world. Trineman supposedly runs these, you know, otherworldly 40s. If that's the case, it's not going to do him any good if he can't hold on to the ball, which he hasn't so far. Clive Walford's been fine. He hasn't been he hasn't been bad. His blocking was really good. I noticed him today during some of the blocking drills. So Walford's another guy who can block a little bit. Um, but funny enough, he's the most experienced tight end on the roster and may not make it. Um, Lucky Whitehead, return man, a little bit undersized, 5'9". I'd be surprised if he made the roster. Um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Five players to go and ten minutes to do it. Um, J.J. Wilcox. I, I'll tell you what, I, I went at it with somebody on Twitter earlier this offseason for saying that he was an upgrade over Rontez Miles, and I'll t- he absolutely is. And I like every any Jets fan in their right mind, you got to love Rontez Miles. The fire, the passion, the effort, how hard that guy plays. Nobody gets more fired up than he does. Nobody wants it more than he does. But J.J. Wilcox is just a better player. He can do more in coverage. He may not hit quite as hard as Miles, but if he doesn't, he's not far behind. So you have a guy who's 
just about as physical as Rontez Miles with far superior cover skills. So to me, J.J. Wilcox makes this roster and, and, and offers an upgrade at his spot. Leo Leonard Williams was, has been unblockable for much of camp. He absolutely was beating the tar out of people during the bell drill. Um, I'm not sure anyone blocked him. I think, like I said, I think I saw Dakota Dozier get one decent rep against him. Other than that, Leo was just dominating people, getting to the bell. So hopefully a big year ahead for him. Avery Williamson, we talked about him earlier, moves well, moves better than people realize. Um, does a good job getting to the getting to the sidelines, shutting down, uh, you know, the swing and the screen game, things like that. Anthony Wint, haven't noticed him at all, at all. Um, and again, not that he's not playing well. He just hasn't been playing well when I was looking um, or where I was looking. So can't really comment much on Anthony Wint. I mean, always a, a fan of the small school and drafted guys making it, so I hope he plays well, but I, I haven't seen much from him. And last and certainly not least, Brian Winters, uh, right guard. And as I mentioned earlier, another guy who they need to see bounce back off season or this, this season after, after a long off season recovering from a torn abdomen. Um, Brian Winters has looked fine. He's looked m- m- far closer to the player he was two years ago than the player he was last year. So there you have it, folks. That is the entire Jets roster from top to bottom. I hope you enjoy that I decided to do it that way. Um, The reason I did decide to do it that way is because I was taking notes. I was going to just do much longer um, breakdowns on far fewer players. But I thought to myself, you know what? What What about that guy? What about that fan who can't call in? who, you know, maybe he downloads it later and d- didn't have the opportunity to call in, but he's dying to know how Jonah Trineman looked for whatever reason, right? Maybe maybe you have that fan who's like, oh, I hope they mention Shanil Ch- Jenkins. Well, if I had only mentioned the guys who were really, really, really standing out, then those guys don't get mentioned. And let's face it, this is a preseason where there is not a lot of access to camp. So if you're in the local area and you are a diehard, you're still not going to get to see more than two or three practices. And if you're not in the area, you're not going to see any practices. And there aren't a lot of places that are going to talk to you about every single guy on the roster. So my hope is that for you, that was not too boring. And you're not sitting there going, oh, my God, I can't believe this freaking guy just went through the whole 89-man roster. But that's what we did. That was the approach I decided to take. I do hope you enjoyed it. If you had any questions, shoot them to me on Twitter, um, at AceFan23. That's A-C-E-Fan23. Shoot any questions you have my way. I will reply as quickly as I can. Um, and I hope, uh, hope you enjoyed that because football is here, man. And we've been waiting forever, and I am, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited. So far, yes, the, the defense is winning at camp, but that's what you expect early on. But the fact that tight ends have stood out and as good as the running backs have looked, I mean, we, you know what you have at wide receiver. Robbie, Quincy, Curse, 
you know, you know you have guys that can make plays. The issue for this team right now is figuring out do they have someone at a tight end who can stretch the field or who can work the middle of the field? Do you have a running back who can break a big play? And it looks like they've got all those things. Yes, it's three days of practice. Could all be a could all be an illusion. Could all go downhill from there. But all we know is what we know right now. And what we know right now is that there's plenty of reason for this team to be optimistic. Now, if we could just get Sam Darnold to sign on the dotted line and get himself into training camp. Thank you for tuning in. And we look forward to catching up with you again in a couple days where we'll have a little bit more camp to talk about. We're back at it tomorrow. So have a great night. And we hope you enjoyed the show. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.